Open your word here in just a few moments. We pray that you would help us to see new things. We thank you for the word of God that is alive and well and can teach us uh, how to follow you and what to do. And Lord, we pray for your insights and for your, um, for your Holy Spirit and for your presence here. We thank you for this time and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Have any of you ever woken up in the middle of the night not quite sure where you're at? You know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that happens to? Some of you there, you know, it, it's one thing if you're, you know, if you're, if you're on vacation and you're staying in somebody else's home and you wake up and you're not sure where you are, or, or if you're traveling for work and you wake up in a hotel room and you're not sure where you are, but has it ever happened to you when you wake up in your own bedroom in the middle of the night and you just don't know where you are? It's kind of like disorienting, isn't it? I mean, that, that seems like the last place where that should happen. Because, you know, our bedrooms are those places that are familiar to us. We, we spend so much of our time there, and yet to, to wake up and to not know where you are is just completely disorienting. You know, I, I've kind of felt like that, like lately. <laughs> Life just seems a little bit disorienting. You know, we celebrated Thanksgiving this past week, and, and I don't know about you, I always look forward to Thanksgiving. I, I enjoy Thanksgiving. Think, Thanksgiving is a time when we fill our houses with people, right? Thanksgiving is a time when, when kids don't have to go to school, they, they get to stay home. Thanksgiving is a time when instead of running off everywhere, you can just be at home, but then for the last nine months, we've just been at home. For the last nine months, school hasn't been somewhere else. School's been at home. For many of us, this Thanksgiving wasn't filled with people. It was just at home. It's familiar, and yet it's different. And it's a little bit disorienting as we journey through times like this. I suppose it's because of all of that that I've really been looking forward to this season of Advent but for different reasons, for different reasons than, than I sometimes look forward to Advent. I'm grateful for Advent this year because of what it reminds us of. In Advent, we're reminded that we have a Savior who has already come into this world, that we have a Savior who has already conquered sin and death, and that we have a Savior who is with us, Emmanuel. And so in spite of all of the, the situations and, and challenges that we face in the world today and in the world around us or even just in our own lives, we are not alone and we have a God who is with us. So I'm thankful for that as we journey through Advent. But, but I'm also thankful for the other thing that Advent reminds us of. And that's Advent reminds us that, that we have a Savior who's coming back again. The world is not yet as it should be. 
And so we cry out and we look forward to and we anticipate that day when our Lord and Savior comes back again. And so while we are grateful that we are not alone, we can still say, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we need you in this place. And I'm thankful that that we're in a season that reminds us of these things because in many ways that is so helpful in a world like we find ourselves living in today. And so we together journey through this in this time. You know, if you have your, if you have your Bibles with you today, I'd, I'd invite you to, to join me in Mark's gospel. We're going to be in, in chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. And if you're able to, I'd invite you to stand as we read God's word. Would you hear these words of the Lord for us today? In those days, after the suffering of that time, the sun will become dark and the moon won't give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then they will see the human one coming in the clouds with the great power and splendor. Then he will send the angels and gather together his chosen people from the four corners of the earth, from the end of the earth to the end of heaven. Learn this parable from the fig tree. After its branch becomes tender and it sprouts new leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that he's near at the door. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come. Not the angels in heaven and not the Son. Only the Father knows. So watch out. Stay alert. You don't know when the time is coming. It's as if someone took a trip, left the household behind, and put the servants in charge, giving each one a job to do, and told the doorkeeper to stay alert. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know when the head of the household will come, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows in the early morning or at daybreak. Don't let him show up when you weren't expecting and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, stay alert. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, most people believe that the Gospel of, of Mark was, was written in the, the, the latter half of the first century. At a time when, when the people of Judah were going through some, some really difficult circumstances. For the first half of, of that century, life was just kind of pretty normal in Judah. But, but, but for the early church, for those early Christians who were gathering, things started to change around the year of 64. It, it was at that time that, that Nero was the emperor of Rome. And at about that time, there was, there was a great fire that, that swept through and destroyed most of the city of Rome. And because of the scope of this fire and the timing of this fire, there were a lot of rumors that that actually that Nero had intentionally set the fire. That he'd, he'd set the fire to, to destroy large parts of the city so he could build back the city the way he wanted to build back the city. 
Well, Nero was trying to dispel these rumors, and so he started doing a lot of things. There were, there were food programs and, and tax programs and, and all of these things to try to, to get people's goodwill, but, but the rumors persisted. People were blaming Nero for this. Well, Nero did what a lot of good politicians do. do. He, he, he found a scapegoat. You know who his scapegoat was? Christians. Christians. Do you know why he blamed Christians? People were kind of skeptical of Christians. They were skeptical of Christians because here was this group of, uh, of people who, who lived their lives differently than everybody else. They didn't put their focus and attention on some of the th- same things that everybody else did. They, they chose to live their lives in a manner that was very, very different from the rest of the world around them. And because they lived differently, for a lot of people, they just didn't understand why people would choose to live so differently than everybody else. And so it kind of stuck, and and they began to take the blame for this. And so because Christians were apparently the ones to blame for for this fire, they, they began to actually persecute them in some very severe ways. They were arrested, they were killed in some pretty awful ways ways. And they found themselves facing all of this persecution and, and going through the midst of this. And, and because of this, there were, there were some in Jerusalem that revolted. Well, there was a, a war that took place and Rome conquered. And in the process, the walls were breached, the city was destroyed, and even the temple was destroyed. It's really hard for us to understand the significance of this. Because for, for the people of Israel, the, the, the temple was, was the, the, the ultimate testimony to God's power and faithfulness in their lives. God had rescued his people from Egypt so long ago and brought them to the promised land, and they had a place to call their own, and Jerusalem was the city of God, and the temple was the place where God dwelt on this earth. The temple was God's home on this earth. And if the temple was destroyed, then it raised all kinds of questions. Is God really the one we should trust? If Rome can just come in and destroy our city and destroy the temple, then shouldn't we worship Roman gods? Like, were we wrong this whole time? It really just shattered their faith to to try to understand how, how all of this could work out. You know, it was in the midst of these uncertain times when people found themselves questioning everything they'd ever known, when all of the, the social structures of life that were normal and consistent and they could count on, when all of those things were, were taken away and all they had left was questions, that's the time when we received Mark's gospel. And in the midst of this, Mark is writing to, to assure us that, 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 that things are going to be okay here. You know, if we would have started reading a a little bit earlier, we would have read this place where where Jesus, looking on the city, is referring to the temple and the temple complex, the temple and the buildings surrounding the temple. And he says that all of these stones are going to be torn down. You know, people were struggling to make sense of this. I mean, for for one, this was a massive complex, a massive complex built with, with large, large stones. And this is before backhoes and cranes, and bulldozers. You don't just knock that kind of a thing down. 
But it was also difficult to grasp because of the theological significance of this. How, how could Jesus suggest that all of this would, would be knocked down? I mean, what would they put their hope or trust or faith in in the midst of all of this? You know, one of the things that Scripture does throughout all of Scripture is it, is it kind of pulls back layers for us and helps us catch a glimpse on the, th- the way that things really are rather than the way that we typically see them. You know, one of my favorite examples of this comes from The Wizard of Oz, where, where, where Dorothy's trying to get back home and is on this journey to find the wizard, the one who can actually show her the way to get back home. You know that scene at the end of The Wizard of Oz where, where, where Dorothy finally gets there? And there's this great big huge thing and, and all of the, the sounds and lights and everything. And then you know what it is that happens? Toto the dog kind of runs over to the side and pulls this curtain back, right? Are you, are you with me? It's been, a while. it's been a while for me too, but, it, but the end of The Wizard of Oz, it, this curtain gets pulled back and there you see this old man pulling these levers and doing these things while everybody else is watching them. And he notices that they're watching and, and you see him say, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, <laughs> right? I mean, it's this man behind the curtain who's been and calling all the shots all along. And he's saying, try to ignore that. You know, Scripture pulls back the curtain and reveals the world for how it truly is. And this is one of those places in Scripture where we see some of that happening, where we become reminded that, that things aren't always as they seem. Jesus had, had warned the people that, that when that time comes, there's There's going to be threats of war. There's going to be actual war. There's going to be challenges to people. There'll be there'll be arrests and there'll be there'll be deaths and there'll be famines and and all of these challenges there. And because of all of the uncertainty, because because society is going to be shaken, there's going to be people out there saying, Hey, just listen to me. If you do what I say, you'll be okay. I've got the answer to get us through this. Just, just follow what I'm doing. And Jesus warns not to give in to those people because it says there's going to be all kinds of people who take advantage of the situation in order to try to push their own agenda. Anybody else feel like life has just been kind of confusing lately? A lot of the, the stones that we've known for so long those rhythms of life, those places in life that we felt that were secure have seemed to be tossed around. In the midst of the chaos, there's, there's people promoting their own agendas, and it's really hard even to know who you can believe anymore. That's kind of what it was like for, for Mark's first audience as they were trying to make sense of, of what was happening around them. You know, and, and then, as now, the, the question that's left for us is, is what is it that we are to do? You know, I, I was looking over this chapter this past week, and, and there's a verse, verse 23. It was right before what we read today. It says, but you watch out, <laughs> but you watch out, for I've told you everything ahead of time. The first word of that sentence is, is but, which if you remember English class, it's a conjunction. It combines things together, but, but the word but actually introduces something that contrasts what has gone before it. It introduces a new idea. 
And there's a very real sense in, in what is happening here. Jesus is saying, listen, when you look at the world, when you look at what's happening around you, everything you've trusted in gets knocked down and there's all of these people saying stuff and you don't know what believe, to believe and you don't know what to do and it seems like everything is just crazy. He says, listen, listen to what I've been telling you all along. Listen to my words because my words are still true and they'll see you through. You know, after this, Jesus goes on to, to sort of draw from all of these Old Testament heavyweights. <laughs> the first verses we, we read today were drawing from Isaiah and, and Ezekiel and, and Joel and Amos and, and drawing from all of these different places. Drawing from all of these the, the major prophets and minor prophets and really, in a sense, telling us that the message of Scripture is consistent when people place their trust and their confidence in themselves, it always ends up failing. It may take a little while, but when people trust in themselves, eventually it's going to fail. But even in those moments when that happens, there is hope. Because even if we place our trust in ourselves instead of God, even if we abandon God, the hope is that God does not abandon us. And when everything else fails, God is still with us. And God is there to, to redeem us. And God's love will never fail, even when everything else fails. You know, as we, as we look at some of what's happening in, in this chapter in Mark's gospel, there's really kind of some, some big picture significance to things that are happening here. Throughout the Old Testament, one of the things that we see is that, that God is, is with God's people. You actually see this in the, in the very beginning in, in Genesis when, when Adam and Eve are in the garden and God comes to walk with them there in the garden. And we see this idea in other places. We continue through Genesis and there's the covenant. God makes the covenant to be with Abraham and his descendants. And we kind of follow that story through and there's, there's different times where, where people encounter the presence of God. And often in the Old Testament, after people encounter the presence of God, they'll, they'll either like stand up a rock or, or pile stones there to serve as a reminder that, that this was a place where they had encountered God. God had met them in this place. Eventually, as time would go on, Moses would meet with God on, on Sinai, and, and then, then there would be the, the Ark of the Covenant, and we'd have the tabernacle, this, this dwelling place of God that would move with God's people as they moved until, until finally they entered the promised land, and finally there's the temple, the dwelling place of God on earth, God with God's people. But here, not too long after Jesus' life and ministry on this earth, the temple is destroyed, which for God's people raises the question, is God still with us? If the temple is gone, is God still with us? Or is God, is God not with us any longer? You know, there's an interesting thing. Prior to Jesus, God dwelt with his people. But through Jesus, God dwells in his people. God is with us in a very real sense. You with me on this? 
And there's a, a sense of this where, where the temple is not needed anymore. The temple served a, a very real and significant role, but, but because Jesus has already conquered sin and death, Jesus can live and dwell within our lives. And we have God, a God who is with us in a much different manner than ever before. We don't have to go to a place to meet God. God is with us in our lives as we are faithful with Him. Amen? And in, in Advent, we're, we're reminded of this fact that, that God is in His people, that, that God, in Jesus Christ, we have Emmanuel, a God who is with us. And no matter what life brings, no matter the circumstances that, that come our way, we are not alone. You are not alone because God is with you. You know, in the verses that, that we read earlier, th th there's a, this warning about trying to predict what's going to happen in future events. You, you know, we often like to know what's going to happen. We like to know what, what to expect. And and even in the church sometimes, in my own lifetime, there have been a number of times when, when people have said, this is the time that Jesus Christ is going to come back. There are 88 reasons he's going to come back in 1988. There was Y2K and all that that brought about. There was the Mayan calendar. There's there all of these times when people have said, this is when it's going to be, this is when it's going to be, this is when it's going to be. And Jesus reminds us not to get caught up in that. We don't have to worry about what the future is going to bring because we know the one who holds the future. And so we don't have to worry about the future. We can live with confidence because we know that, that whatever happens tomorrow is not going to have the final say because God's going to have the final say. And God is with us. And so, so we can live with, with confidence now. And so in the midst of this, there's this invitation to, to remain faithful and, and to live faithful lives. To not worry about tomorrow, but to focus on how we live our lives today and to live faithfully for Jesus Christ with all of who we are. You know, we, we've talked about this some before, and we actually took some time to talk about this last week, but, but in the midst of, of all of the differentness that this pandemic has brought for us, even just thinking of the differentness it's brought for us in the church. We continue to focus on living in fellowship and relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just want to remind you some of the practices that we have that, that keep us focused on this. We continue to worship together. And when we worship together, we, we, we are united together. And that's true whether we come together in this sanctuary and for the many people who are joining us online. We are united together through the Holy Spirit who unites us together when we humble ourselves before our Lord and Savior and worship Him alone. And we continue to worship together, but, but we also continue to connect together. And I, I said it last week and I say it again, we need you. We need you to keep us connected together. So reach out to others. Send people a text or a card or a phone call or whatever it is. But, but we need one another and it takes a whole congregation to care for a congregation. Which means that every one of us has to do our part to stay connected as we journey through these days together. But in the midst of this, we also have very unique and wonderful opportunities to show the love of Jesus Christ to those around us. 
So much of life has been put on hold over the last nine months. But did you know that the mission of God has not been put on hold? Right? God is still working in this world. And there are people who are open to conversations who've never been open to conversations before. You know, I think of a conversation I had on Friday with somebody who was, was asking questions about, about faith and, and the church and, and how do we just sort of navigate through time like this. This is somebody who's, who, who's never really asked some of those questions before and here I was having a chance to have this conversation with somebody. There are people who are hurting and hungry and broken and we have the opportunity to love people around us. And we have opportunities to do that. And we also have opportunities to continue to grow together, to allow God to work in our lives. And even in the times of waiting, we have a God who can work with us in those places. Amen? And so let us continue to, to live faithfully for God together. You know, in the midst of this season, in the midst of, in the midst of Advent, as, as we look at passages like, like in Mark's gospel where everything seemed to just kind of crumble apart and they didn't know what, what to stand or what to place their hope in, we are reminded then, just as we are reminded today in the world in which we live, that we have a God who is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And God's with you. You know, these have been challenging days. They've been challenging days for our country. They've been challenging days for our community. They've been challenging days for many of you. This has been a days with, with bad news that's come in a lot, a lot of forms. We've had people in our church this past year who've, who've passed away, and we didn't really get to say goodbye the way we would like to. We have people in our church this last year who've, who've lost jobs beyond their control. People in our church this last year who've received diagnoses that, that they weren't expecting. People struggling with, with just feelings of depression or anxiety or uncertainty that comes. In the midst of all of this, God is with us and God is with you. Whatever you're facing in life, be reminded that you are not alone, that God is with you. And also, we can journey through these uncertain days with hope. A hope that's not just the wishful thinking. I think Jennifer was talking to us about that when we started today. Hope that's not just wishful thinking. But hope that's rooted in the fact that, that we have a Savior who's going to come back again. That God's not done here. That everything is not yet as it should be. And so we can cry out to God and say, God, come. We need you. We need you. So I just invite you today to, to live into these days with the confidence that we have a God who is with us, but also knowing that we have a God who will come again. And this carries us through all of the challenges that life brings our ways. Let's pray together today. Lord, today we, we thank you on this first Sunday of Advent that there is a light that is shining in the darkness. And that no matter how dark it might seem at times, the darkness has never nor will never overcome the light. And so God, today we place our trust in you. We are grateful that you are Emmanuel, that, that you are with us. 
And Lord, we also cry out to you knowing how desperately we need you to work in our lives and in this world. And Lord, we, we just pray that, that by your power, that you would help us to live lives of faithful obedience. That we would live in, in such a manner, in such a way that, that those around us would see you in us. And that we would live in, in such a way that, that our very lives themselves would be like salt and light to those around us. So others can experience the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that come to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So God, we ask all of these things in your good and pleasing and perfect name. Amen. As you go today, would you just go in that grace and peace that comes from God and go with the hope that comes from knowing that we have a Savior who has come and a Savior who will come again. Would you go in his grace and peace? Amen.